Hi, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. I'm Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Today, we talk to Dr. Claire Taylor, who is a GP and NIHR clinical lecturer at the Nuffield Department of Primary Healthcare Sciences at the University of Oxford. We're going to discuss the paper that she and her team have written, titled Naturotic Peptide Testing and Heart Failure Diagnosis in Primary Care, a Diagnostic Accuracy Study. Thanks for joining us here today, Claire, to discuss your research. I guess I just wanted to start by um, talking around the background to the study. And I found this paper really interesting because I work in a practice with a fairly older age population and heart failure is unfortunately fairly common within our patch. And we use BNP testing when we suspect heart failure as a guide to referral and management. But your research looked into this in a lot more detail than I suspect we think about on the ground. So can you tell us a bit more about the background to the project and why you did this research? Yeah, so um, I'm a GP as well and also a researcher at the University of Oxford. And I've had an interest in heart failure diagnosis and management in primary care for a long time. Um, And I noticed that there was a real difference in the threshold for referral um, for um, heart failure diagnosis, um, depending on which guideline you looked at. So just to sort of explain as as you've said already so if a patient presents with symptoms of heart failure to primary care so things like breathlessness uh, tiredness or exhaustion or ankle swelling then the guidelines globally suggest that we should do naturetic peptide testing to differentiate who requires further investigation and who we can rule out the diagnosis and think of another diagnosis instead and when I was looking at the guidelines, though, um, the European Society of Cardiology produce heart failure guidelines, and so do the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence in the UK. NICE recommend a threshold um, for NT Pro BMP of around 400. So if the level is above 400, as GPs were suggested to refer for an echocardiogram and specialist assessment to confirm or rule out the diagnosis. If it's below that threshold of 400, we're encouraged to consider alternative diagnoses. Now, in the European Society of Cardiology or ESC heart failure guidelines, that threshold for NT Pro BMP is 125. Um, so it's you know more than a threefold difference. And as a GP, I found that quite interesting because often we do use European guidelines as well as our own national guidelines. And so I wanted to look in a bit more detail using big general practice data from the UK to see if the difference in threshold actually makes a difference in terms of diagnostic accuracy. So this study was a real world diagnostic accuracy study to look at those two different thresholds and the diagnosis of heart failure in a primary care cohort. Mm, okay, so so you used the CPRD here. And how did you look at uh, naturotic peptide testing using this database? Just tell me a bit more about what you did. Yeah, so um, we've used um, the clinical practice research data thing called CPRD for a lot of our research over the years. And it's it represents uh, around 15% of the UK population. And it sucks out GP data into anonymous 
database that we can use for research purposes. So what we did is looked at between 2004 and 2018, who had had a natriuretic peptide test and then who had gone on to have a diagnosis of heart failure. And what we found was um, nearly 230,000 records with a natriuretic peptide test. And around 9% of those patients went on to have a heart failure diagnosis within the, the next six months. And we used this cohort to look at the diagnostic accuracy of natriuretic peptide testing, depending on threshold. So we compared the two thresholds, the ESC threshold of 125 for NT-pro-BMP and the NICE threshold of 400 for NT-pro-BMP. Okay. And then you looked at the cutoffs for the European and NICE guidelines in terms of diagnosing heart failure. And what were the findings? What did you find in terms of the sensitivity and the specificity of the different thresholds? Yes, yeah, so really interesting. So at the higher NICE threshold, we found a sensitivity of around 82% and a specificity of around 80%. But at the lower European threshold of 125, that sensitivity was much higher, going up to almost 95%, but the specificity was much lower at 50%. So you often get this trade-off. If you shift the threshold downwards, you're going to get better sensitivity but at the expense of specificity. So that's just to explain what those terms mean. So sensitivity is the ability of the test to identify those with disease. So at the lower um, natriuretic peptide threshold in the European guidance, you're going to get 95% of people with heart failure will be having a positive test. At the higher NICE threshold of 400, that's around 80%. So you will be missing around one in five cases of heart failure initially at that higher threshold. These patients did go on to have a diagnosis within six months by alternative means. And there's always going to be a trade-off in healthcare systems because the European cutoff being lower identifies all those with heart failure, but that is at the expense of requiring more diagnostic assessments. Um, so specificity of only 50% means there's a lot of people having echocardiograms and specialist assessments who then don't go on to have a diagnosis of heart failure. And in healthcare systems where the resources are limited, countries need to decide the balance between a, a missed or delayed diagnosis against overwhelming the capacity of the system. Mm, it, it sounds like a really difficult balance because as you say, if we use the NICE guideline cutoffs, your data suggests that one in five people will be initially missed. But if we use the ESC cutoffs, we run the risk of overwhelming cardiology services. I think the interesting thing in the NHS is that we do have limited capacity in the diagnostic pathway for heart failure, particularly in terms of echo. So there's a real shortage of, of trained echo technicians to, to do the echoes, and that can be the rate limiting step. And what we know from our other data is those with a very high natriuretic peptide level, so above 2000 NT-pro-BMP, NICE recommend they should be seen and diagnosed within two weeks, a bit like the two-week weight cancer pathways. And we know that 
currently isn't happening from our, our other research. And the problem is if we use the lower European threshold, we would be needing a lot more people to go down that diagnostic pathway. And that may be at the expense of those who've got a very high natriuretic peptide test who do need to be seen quickly because we know they're more likely to go into hospital and more likely to have a poor outcome from their heart failure if they're not seen and diagnosed and treated quickly. So I think there is a real balance to be struck here, but I think it's interesting for us to look at the GP data and see the effect the different thresholds may have on that decision making. Um, and I guess my takeaway as a, as a GP is that if I see somebody who is breathless or exhausted or ankle swelling, and I do an atriuretic peptide test, and it's it's close to the threshold, so it's not above four hundred, but it's it's near there, I might consider whether or not that patient is likely to have heart failure and does require a referral. Or if I'm not sure, then there is also the option of observing them and seeing if we test in a few months' time if that has changed the decision at all. Because there are certain things that will push down the natriuretic peptide level like um, ACE inhibitors and um, diuretics. So we need to take it all into account when we're doing that decision making as, as we always do as GPs. So it's not just that one test result. We need to look at the whole picture really, um, which is what we're used to doing in many conditions. At, at least where, where I'm working, heart failure assessment clinics for those patients with the intermediate raised BNP are beginning to become more nurse-led do you have any thoughts about referral and diagnostic pathways for suspected heart failure and how those could be set up to ease pathways at all? Yeah, so we um, we looked at the trends in um, natriuretic peptide testing over the same period, so 2004 to 2018, and we did see this real up uplift in testing, particularly after 2010 when NICE really strengthened their recommendation around natriuretic peptide testing in the diagnosis of heart failure. But that study also found that even in the most recent time period, so 2017, pre-pandemic but, but recent, three in four patients with a diagnosis of heart failure hadn't had a natriuretic peptide test prior to diagnosis, which we were really surprised about. So actually, there's still a real need to consider the diagnosis of heart failure in people that are breathless and do natriuretic peptide testing um, to help with that diagnostic decision making. And I think another important thing to say from our, our current paper is and the negative predictive values at both the European and the NICE threshold were really, really good for natriuretic peptide testing. So 98, 99%. And that means if you do a natriuretic peptide test and it's negative at both the European and NICE thresholds, that means it's, it's unlikely that the patient has heart failure. So we can um, use it as an effective tool to rule out heart failure in the majority of patients. That's definitely one of the take-home messages that I took from this paper was that if the natriuretic peptide was below either cutoff, then it effectively ruled out heart failure. So that's a really useful diagnostic tool to have to hand. Do you have any thoughts about the key implications for what we could be doing in practice to diagnose heart failure? I, I think we've talked around some of them in terms of 
testing and perhaps stratifying by um, risk, depending on the level of the natriuretic peptide. But anything else, any other mm. messages for jobbing GBs that you want to say? Yeah, I think there um, there needs to be awareness of of heart failure amongst everybody who's who's seeing patients in in lots of different contexts, whether it's a routine review or whether it's patients coming in complaining of breathlessness. Because as we know from our other work, three out of four patients didn't have a natriuretic peptide test prior to their heart failure diagnosis. And we know um, from a British Heart Foundation report that up to 80% of people actually get their first diagnosis of heart failure on emergency hospital admission. So there is a real opportunity in primary care to consider heart failure potentially earlier, patients breathless, exhausted, swelling of their ankles and do a natriuretic peptide test because if we can diagnose heart failure earlier we're more likely to prevent hospitalization and improve outcomes because there's a huge amount of evidence-based treatments for heart failure increasing number but unless we've got that diagnosis then that's really the key and the gateway to those effective treatments. So what are the next steps for this research or this research area that you're going into in terms of heart failure? So um, as we say in the paper, the um, the thresholds at the moment in the guidelines don't take account of other conditions the patient may have or medications the patient's taking, which we know can affect the natriuretic peptide level in the bloodstream. So for example, atrial fibrillation can push it up, but some medications like diuretics or ACE inhibitors can push it down. Now we didn't... Um, sort of adjust for these in our study because the guidelines don't adjust for them. So the guidance on the thresholds applies to everyone. There's not different thresholds for different conditions, although there is a a recent position paper from the ESC suggesting that actually we should be correcting for things like obesity, which again can push natriuretic peptide level down, um, or AF or chronic kidney disease. So at the moment, as clinicians, we have to sort of weigh it all up and put it all together and decide, do we need to refer this patient or actually do we need to think of another diagnosis because it's unlikely to be heart failure? Mm. Well, thank you very much for that. I think it's one of these uh, research areas where the clinical message is really strong, but also deals with the uncertainty that GPs manage a lot when things aren't as clear cut as we would like them to be with 100% sensitivity and specificity. So thank you very much for that. And thanks for your time, Claire, today. It's been a great discussion. And thank you all very much for listening to today's BJGP podcast. Uh, The original research article can be found on bjgp.org. Please share if you've enjoyed it and subscribe in all the usual places from your podcaster of choice. A reminder about the BJGP Research Conference, which we're holding in London on the 31st of March, 2023. If you'd like to register or get any more information, please visit the website at bjgp.org forward slash conference. We're looking forward to meeting you all there. Bye for now.